One Shot Questers is a Dungeons & Dragons themed podcast for mature audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode's description. Greetings, Questers, and welcome back to another chapter of One Shot Questers. We're thrilled to have you join us again as we dive into the heart of episode two. The saga of Monsters in the Mist continues to unfold, its thrilling twists and turns ready to be discovered. My name is Duke Davis. I am the face and owner of One Shot Questers, and I will be playing Trevor Anderson, the aspiring content creator found in the world of Dunport as he has suddenly been told that he has to fix his apartment or be kicked out of it. And now he's in his apartment with, or he's he's in his own apartment with the landlord's daughter. It's fantastic. Tori! Hi, my name is Tori. I am a queer neurodivergent uh, creative performer and podcaster from Sydney. I am playing Alice. Alice is a professional dancer who has just worked her way into being allowed to audition for something, even though they've technically already cast it. Oof. Hello, I am I am Reed. Um, I'm, you know, on the internet here and there, but I primarily do editing and writing and other creative fun things, uh, as well as playing a lot of fun games with uh, one-shot questers and Duke. Um... And I am playing Liam, who is a um, who is a medium, heavy quotation marks on the word medium, um, also known as con artist uh, when it comes to him specifically. And he uh, has currently just foiled plans to have people attack him um, by being very kind and nice and weaseling his way out until he got struck down by some light that he was trying to avoid. That is Liam. My name is Matthew. I am a creative mind. Video editor, musician, performer, and a lover of laughter. And I am playing Evan Drake in, a, in this campaign of City of Mist. Evan Drake is a 16-year-old orphan teenager who's had a hard life growing up, fighting off bullies, and trying to find his way. Okay, hold on. So. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. This is staying in the recording. But literally off camera, you literally just told us he was 17 and then just went to he's 16 now. You're right. But <laughs> he's got I the Benjamin. 16... No, he's got the Benjamin Button disease. So every stream, he's just <laughs> going to be one every year younger. Every episode, he gets younger. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited when he's like three. Yeah, everyone's like level 20 and he's sitting there like in diapers, like waddling his way into the battle. <laughs> With a binky and a freaking rattle. Um, <laughs> no, um, but I, I figured because you said my birthday was happening soon and I was moving houses so i was like 16 would make more sense no i'm making you 18 because i'm kicking you out of the foster home okay never mind 18 i'll redo my intro then oh, i'm 17 no, 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 you're no, 17 no, that, that stayed this is you're staying. 17 and i'm making you 18 in a few days you're good okay just be okay. the age you said you were no just kidding okay I will. <laughs> <laughs> all right should i redo that then no that's no that's staying we're, we'll just keep we're, the whole thing keeping it in just keeping the whole thing in do you want me to say that i'm 17 because they're gonna get oh, we got we understand <laughs> you're 17 we all know we're, we're keeping the whole argument in i believe but what if the people listening don't Get... No, no, they're keeping no, the whole argument keeping the... in, Matt, for the listeners to hear. Oh. So, for the listeners, he is 17. So, what you're saying is, if my lizard brain is computing correctly, 
Because you're saying is they're going to hear all of this? Yes. yes. Probably still. <laughs> My name's Doug. Dano's a gamer here. Uh, I'm a content creator, I think, and uh, I I do stuff on the internet space over on Dead Aussie Gamer, as well as my dear, dear friends over at Careful Countship, and now here at One Shot Questers uh, for this amazing freaking uh, podcast that you are enjoying. Uh, if you want to see all of my stuff, uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I, I might be an award-winning GM, and if I'm not, then I looked really stupid just saying that I'm award-winning <laughs> GM just then, um, and disregard it. I voted for you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, if it didn't happen, if it didn't happen, we'll cut to like a Jake and audio of him being like, he didn't. He in fact did not win. Give <laughs> 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 like uh, Morgan yeah. Freeman AI. <laughs> yeah. uh, before we begin, though, we want to pause for a moment and, and extend our deepest gratitude to you, our brave listeners. Thank you so much for choosing us to listen to and uh, joining us in this narrative that we are starting to weave. But before we begin, tonight's episode is sponsored by One Shot Questers patrons. Their generosity enables us to keep the fires of our storytelling burning bright. We'll give them their well-deserved recognition during our mid-show intermission. Yet in this vast world of ours, there's always room for more companions. So if you would like to sponsor an episode, please don't hesitate and email Duke at business at osqtv.com. Now with that all out of the way and knowing that Evan is now 17. I'm going <laughs> to hand it off to Dag and let's get started on episode two. All right. Welcome back to City of Mist, the world where ordinary people gain extraordinary powers. We find ourselves all across the city in various locations as thunderous lightning and a cacophony of energy exploding outwards from a central nexus has now careened and started raining down upon an unsuspecting city. Several individuals have been struck by these energy blasts, power surging and channeling through their very forms and bodies. We begin in a subway deep underground as a bolt of green lightning has struck Liam in the back. You hear the sounds of metal clacking against metal. The sounds of rope twisting and binding. Liam, you turn around and the thing you see behind you is a thing of nightmares. A, a sort of a lean female humanoid body standing behind you dressed in robes that remind you of like old Greek statues. In their hands, a woven tapestry of gold uh, in the form of a cat's cradle held together by needle-like fingernails, each painted with a golden hue. This woman, whoever she may be, her long blonde hair is revealed from underneath what looks to be a hood that raises over her eyes, revealing a pattern sewn in of a singular, large oracle eye symbol. As she looks at you, she stretches her arms forward, inviting you to gaze between the cat's cradle. Liam's gonna, he's gonna look up at this woman with this, this really intricate hood gonna look between those two things a few times and he's gonna say no no thank you <laughs> I'm, I'm good thanks and he's gonna audibly gulp as you do so you feel the most awful of sensations that saliva goes down your throat and then stops before sliding back up your throat oh! <laughs> and back into your mouth oh my 
And as this happens, you feel your body pulling backwards. You watch as this woman begins to unweave and unwind the fabrics that she has in front of her. You suddenly feel your body forcing itself backwards as you now start running in reverse back down the corridor. As this happens, you then find yourself moving up against the wall. These thugs move backwards into the direction back towards you as they stand confronting you. Uh, one of them taking the wallet from you and then putting it back in your hand as they they then pick you back up, winding back. They then release you, put you down as they walk backwards. You find them uh, standing and now talking to one another as you yourself move over as you place your hand on what looks to be a large pillar suspending the roof of the subway. The train moving forward as you find yourself in, a, in the strongest form of deja vu you have ever experienced. The guy who you had handed the business card to, uh, not but a few moments ago, suddenly looking up to catch your eyes. Seeing that, like, this is, this is that exact moment, Liam is going to look around after a brief half second, realizing what he, where he is. He's going to look a little bit behind the pillar to see if the thug is there, and he's going to quickly step around the pillar, around the thug, look around, and start trying to make his way to the steps, thinking maybe this is kind of my break. Maybe all of the speak of the divine speaking to me, giving me visions, maybe because I do that so often, maybe I got a vision from them, and so I'm just kind of avoiding everything so I don't get into another, you know, tussle. As you move around, sure enough, the thugs kind of give you like a passing look, but then ignore you and continue their conversation. As you make your way up the stairs, you check your wallet. It has $25 in it. All right. Liam is grinning now and, and he's walking up and he's thinking to himself, well, finally, this is this is my lucky break. This is it. I can actually speak to the divine. Yeah. <laughs> as you as you sort of like get you you cheer and you celebrate. We pan now across town to what looks to be a danced studio balcony. As the lightning bolt strikes Alice in the chest. Alice uh, you feel that surge currently over your body, and there is a sense of euphoria. It's it's the most pleasurable sensation you could imagine, just in every part of your body. Like, all of your dopamine levels are at their most high, and as you just sort of can't help but bring a smile to your face and sort of feel that joy, you realize something very quickly. You are not on the ground. You are about maybe 10, 15 foot floating above the building below you. Alice is just that m moment of just joy. And then she's going to look down at her feet and feels kind of the, the rush of air underneath her feet and around her. And it's just like, oh my God. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> As you were doing this, all of a sudden the door to the balcony opens. And you can see one of the suited individuals begins to make their way out and uh, looks around, not seeing you anywhere. They then close the door and walk back in. Sh shit! The confidence that she had after finishing her dance and going outside is turning into panic of, am I, am I about to lose this opportunity? And she's going to like start flapping her arms upwards, trying to like... You know, almost instead of kind of being like, I'm going to go up, be like, I'm, I need to get down. And she's going to try and will herself 
back onto the balcony. As you attempt to do so, um, you uh, begin to sort of fly and sort of tumble a little as you are trying to move around. All of a sudden, a flock of geese suddenly fly directly at you, and I'm going to need you to roll me a face the danger check as these (laughs) birds just suddenly uh, uh, not the geese! Let's do this. Don't you hate it when you guys just randomly float up in the air and it's just a flock of geese come out of nowhere and just ruin your day? It happens more times than you think. Don't you hate it when you're just flying around minding your business and a human fly into your formation. Yeah, it happens more than you think. <laughs> yeah. Those are called aeroplanes, Gerald. I got a seven. I'm gonna add dancer to kind of gracefully keep myself, I guess, use my core muscles. And I'm going to use <laughs> self-defense. Okay. Uh, I'm happy for self-defense. I think dancer is not gonna help you too much while you don't have anything to like you know, kick off or anything. So that is a seven then, is that correct? That's an eight in total if you add the one. As the gears geese come towards you, you kind of flip them around, you kind of spit out some feathers, uh, but you manage to uh, to hold yourself and start lowering. As you do so, you end up eventually very slowly landing on the, the platform. And as you burst into the, the audition room, you can see that uh, the three people in suits are no longer there. Alice has this moment where she like plants her feet really strongly in the ground. She's like, no, not today. This is my day. This is my moment. And she is going to start running for the door, trying to like go out into the room and see if she can find them. As you do so, I need you to make another face the danger check. Uh, that is 11. As you do so, you definitely defeat the danger as it enters. The door opens and one of the suits walks back in. As this happens, you manage to stop yourself just in time before you crash directly into her. The woman is very startled as you do so, and uh, she's sort of taken aback. Oh, um, Miss Carol, was it? Yes, that's correct. Uh, sorry, the uh, the other partners and I, we, we have other appointments and arrangements to go to. We, uh, we wanted to offer you a second audition in a week's time. Would you be available for another audition? In her head, she's like, yes, yes, shit, yeah, you- God damn it. Um, <laughs> but it's just like trying to, on the outside, be this really, she's, absolutely, of, of course. I would, I, it would be my absolute honor. Good. We'll, um, we'll send you details. Uh, you can see that she's kind of looking past you. I'm uh, sorry, I, I forgot my bag. And she sort of shuffles past you and goes and gets her bag and she comes back around. She looks at you and smiles. Uh, Alice will smile back and kind of a polite kind of like head nod. Thank you. She'll she'll do the same thing. And again, because you haven't moved, she sort of shuffles past you again <laughs> as, she, <laughs> as she then leaves. And Alice is just going to, she was standing super like tall and like in charge and just going to completely like crumple like, oh, 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 I was flying. As the uh, as that sense hits you again of like the joy of getting the job, you again once again begin to float uh, up to the ceiling, and uh, as you do so, you kind of get a more more of a sense of your your space in the air, and you can sort of start moving. It's not flapping, that's definitely for sure, but you start to almost like gesture and point uh, as you kind of move your way through, and um, you Shazam! You've lost all your powers. <laughs> I'm a DC nerd too. Uh, anyway, uh, so so uh, as you as you're flying around just celebrating, we now pan to a different scene in front of a foster home. 
with a car having crashed into a, uh, a small uh, fire hydrant and the unconscious body of Elena, the foster mom here at the foster home, uh, lying still on the ground. As lightning blasted through this area and struck Evan in the body, he is propelled and knocked away from uh, his foster mom and thrown into like kind of like almost like this muddy puddle. Evan hits the cement like super hard, just feels the pain go all the way through his body, like up his tailbone into the back of his head, covered with mud. He sits up super quickly and he looks around and he gets his breath back for a moment. As you do so, you find... You're, it's harder to get your breath. You're not entirely sure why, but you just kind of feel like your breath isn't quite what it used to be. Your rhythm's kind of off. Evan just grabs it, puts his hand on his chest, and he looks up, and he tries to find Elena. Runs over, picks up Elena. Elena, Elena, are you okay? As you say this, the voice coming out of your mouth sounds somewhat different. You you think maybe the, the explosion kind of, like, did something to your ears or something? You know, maybe you're just, like a bit, you know, like ringing in the head. As she awakens and her eyes open, she looks in your direction. I, I, I'm i fine. I'm fine. Thank you. As she goes to stand up, you notice something. You are a lot taller than she is. Thank you. She looks you up and down and says, my son's got the same outfit. <gasps> Evan is taken aback, confused, doesn't quite understand what Elena said. And he says, it's me, Evan. Evan, Evan. Uh, did we go to school together? No. Elena, it's me, Evan. Do you see my black eye? Look, we, we just talked. You're taking me to look at houses, new foster homes tomorrow, and I didn't want to go, but I promised you I would because I, I care about you. You see that her facial expression changes. Taking a quick moment, you look at the wrecked car, and you can see that it is a shiny car. It's, as I mentioned, one of these, like, luxury black sort of, like, you know, city cars. And you catch a glimpse of your reflection in this car. That face that you see staring back at you, wearing your clothes, is not your own. It looks very handsome. Almost like like model level, like kind of attractiveness, uh, like sort of covers your, your facial features. You've even got makeup on, which again, you've never worn makeup in your life, but it is currently on your face. As you look at your arms, your shirt sleeves are a little short for you, but that kind of just makes your muscles bulge out even more. As you kind of look at your hair, it looks like it had just been done by a professional barber. Evan walks over the car and he's like, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell? <laughs> In an instant, uh, you hear Elena sort of wince, holding onto her arm. You realize that the car didn't hit her directly, thanks to the fire hydrant. It struck it first, but um, it seems as though Elena does have a broken arm uh, as she sort of uh, holds it up. I, I, thank you so much. I, I'm not sure if I, if I remember you, Evan, but I'm flattered. But, uh, you know, I've got so much work with the kids and stuff. I, I don't really have time for uh, a anything other than the kids right now. I, I, I need to get to the hospital. Uh, and she uh, she kind of looks around and, and tells some of the kids to go grab her things. Some of them are, like, crying. Some of them are, like, you know, saying, you got to call an ambulance. She, she's saying, no, 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 it's nonsense. Just I'll just give me the car keys. I'll, I'll drive myself. And then someone tells them to go wake up Evan. They run in. Evan's just listening to this. The kids went away. And he's looking at Elena now, and she's just kind of waiting for them to get their stuff. And he's like, your arm, it looks broken. Please, let me take you to the hospital. I'll take you right now. Let's go. She uh, she stops for a moment, and she's she's a little nervous because you said you liked her, and she's like, I just <laughs> met you, guy. And uh, as soon as the kids come out and say, e Evan's not there, 
this look on her face is just filled with sadness. Okay, can thank you. Can you can you please take me? I I I'd go myself, but of course, I will take you. We will go right now. Whatever you need. Uh, do you have a car? Uh, um, no. Yeah, she she immediately um you know sort of goes down and she hesitates for a moment because again giving your key car keys to a random stranger she uh, she does eventually warm up give you the keys and hops into the car. It is at this point we are going to decide if you know how to drive. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to do it the old dag way with, as you guys know, the boom, the dead Aussie gamer do or die coin. Oh, no. Let's find out. Is that the one and only dead Aussie gamer do or die die? That is the do or die die. And even though it looks like a coin, it is definitely a die. That is for sure. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Die. Unfortunately. Among the many skills you have picked up in adulthood, learning how to drive a manual car is not one of them. Why does it have to be a manual? <laughs> <laughs> because you live in a poor house and they can't afford an automatic. Oh. We are going to have you take a risk because you do not know how to drive. You need to get a 10 or higher in order to drive her to the hospital without consequence. Uh, 7 to 9, you will drive her there, but you will have to face some sort of messy choice. And less than that, you're unsuccessful. I got an 8. Oh. I'm going to use calm emotions. I'm going to calm myself out because I'm kind of freak. I was freaking out. Yep, yep. I'm going to use protective big brother. Ooh. I'll allow it. And that leaves us at 10. Yeah! It does indeed leave us at 10. You begin to drive. You have remembered so many movies and stuff. And while you don't change gears regularly, you know, uh, thankfully the city doesn't have uh, that many in the way of like, you know, hills and like large steep inclines and stuff like that. As you're driving, you are every now and then glancing at the mirror and seeing a different set of eyes staring directly back at you. That is when you notice something else, something very, very bizarre. There is a duck sitting in your back seat. Or maybe it's like a strange, grotesque kind of duck. Its feathers are like poofy and like dulled in color. And it has this kind of psycho look in its eye. <laughs> just like to say it in my mind's eye, it's Howard the Duck. Yeah, and he's holding champagne. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, you wanna take a left you wanna take a left on 51st, okay? <laughs> you don't wanna take Main Street this time of day. You're gonna hit the weirdos there, okay? Trust me, I know. <laughs> no, it's not Howard the Duck. It is a regular, good old fashioned. Uh, floofy duke. We're gonna switch over here as the uh, as again we roll across the city and find ourselves now back in a small semi studio apartment with uh, again like just sort of all of these broken bits and pieces that have now been scattered aside as lightning has hit Trevor who is leaning out of the window at the time and as he is thrown back into his apartment knocking things over papers and cleaning supplies suddenly falling to the ground everywhere uh, you hear the sound of a, a, a cry coming out from the the, um, uh, from the, the kitchen as you can see Leia coming out and saying, oh my God, are you, are you okay? W what was that? Trevor, Tre Trevor, you are unconscious. Yeah, take that. Uh, <laughs> unconscious. <laughs> and now we have Duke. Are you ready to role play? Well, guess what? You're unconscious. F you. <laughs> Dang it. I feel like you've known me for long enough. You should have um, expected anything she, less. She, <laughs> <laughs> so she walks over and she tries to to get a pulse. She realizes you're 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 alive and you're okay. And she uh she says, just just hang on, okay, just hang on. I'm, I'm gonna get help. 
and she she lays you kind of like back and just so that you've got clear airway she kind of puts you on your side uh she knows some basic first aid and she rushes downstairs to go and try and call for help you slowly begin to come to as you can smell like burnt hair and chemicals and um you kind of let your eyes adjust to the room you look around and you can see your computer smoking He's just gonna, like, instantly when he sees that, just everything snaps back to reality. And he's just, my computer! And he's gonna get up, and I, I want, like, he he probably got hit really hard. And so I'm gonna say, like, like he, he what, he's he's a streamer, man. He doesn't really work out. <laughs> sure. he, he's definitely got a, he definitely has a broken rib. Yeah, happy for that. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's add that, let's add that to your status then. So you've got a sore back. So Trevor, Trevor's gonna try to stand up, and as he does, he just feels the sharp pain coming from his right side and also his back as well and he's just gonna double over uh, uh, and he's just gonna be oh gosh and he's gonna like slowly like crawl over to his computer like he has so many emotions going through his head he's like that's his livelihood looking at his computer also he has a broken rib and he's like i don't have health insurance i don't have any money what is like I gotta fix this computer as you reach up and grab onto your computer You see a wallpaper on your desktop that you don't recognize It looks really weird. It looks like a topless humanoid with blue skin with a massive dodecahedron for a head and As you look at it, you realize that the wallpaper also has your face in it looking at you. Oh, and that's when you realize there's something behind you i'm gonna slowly turn around it's like one of those things where trevor's like turn around but still keeping his eyes on the monitor until his eyes can't stay looking at the monitor anymore until he finally turns and sees i'm guessing the genie from aladdin <laughs> yes what you see is uh, kind of like the genie from aladdin but instead its entire blue body seems to be made of almost a roiling lava lamp of blue and uh, and white colors as they uh, they swirl around with power and energy it's uh, head a perfectly uh, dodecahedric shape that is uh, rotating with no face or no numbers written upon it as the figure looks at you it says well hail and well met say what kind of strange magic box dost thou speak into? Trevor's just like jaw hit the floor. Is it some kind of seeing stone? Perhaps one can reach other planes of existence. And you watch as he takes this huge muscular arm and taps on your monitor. And you hear it like it's not a light, gentle tap. It's a... Hey, 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 hey. And he's going to like reach up. Just ah, like put down his right arm, put up his left arm like, hey, don't. Please, please, um, I'm sorry. I, I shall forgive you this once, but don't let it happen again, young one. Uh, okay, uh, who, who are you? Why, I'm in a lot of pain. Oh, well then why don't you simply use your powers and heal yourself? What powers? I don't have any powers. Well, do, do you not have a god that you worship? Someone that, you know, bestows godly divine healing upon thyself? I mean, there- Come now, simply speak with me, come here, oh. on your knees. Yes, <laughs> okay. there we go. Um, All right, hands together, like this. Trevor, Trevor is just very much in pain as it moves him to the ground. Just uh, like doesn't have the re he doesn't have like the muscle strength at all to just like not do what he's like telling him to do. He, uh, he you start to sort of lean to the side and he kind of he watches one giant blue hand sort of straightens you up a bit as it goes back to to putting its hands in like sort of a prayer pose and he says, "All right, now along with me, ready? Oh. Okay, so repeat after me." Help is on the way, dearie. 
<laughs> Say the fucking words. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm being haunted by the ghost of Robin Williams. Help is on the way, dearie. You watch as papers fly out and all of a sudden you can describe what your cleric looks like. Oh my gosh. Okay. As he witnesses this, there's this bright, shining light that starts to emanate from his chest. And you see this, like this white translucent aura starting to shape around Trevor. And from what you can see, it's the, the armor is this beautiful, like gleaming heavy metal like plate armor that's all around very heavily protected you see in uh one of those helmets that has like the chain mail that kind of goes um on the back side of it but as it like emanates like this very glorious figure you look at the face of the cleric and the face just looks done like like are you kidding me right now kind of throws its arms up in the air and like grabs its side and then you see this even more divine light come from it and then it disappears. Yeah, you see? Good as new. Tre- Trevor's checking, like, his right rib and realizing it's now fixed. Like, he, Trevor almost wants to still feel the pain. Like, he's almost forcing himself to be like, this This. This can't be real. Ugh, come on, pop out, pop out, pop out. Kind of, like, pressing against his side. And he's going to look towards the this figure, this blue figure. Just, uh, I have... Are, are you an angel? Am I an angel? <laughs> Oh, no, that's a good one. No, no, I am no angel boy. I am uh, something far, far greater. There's no time for this, of course, for you have a great and grand duty ahead of you, and we must not waste any time. The forces of darkness, they swell within this world and head unrelentingly towards you. The previous champion is dead. Now all of reality rests in your capable hands, young one. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. Again, don't let it happen again and we'll be fine. Don't let what? Nothing. I I don't understand what's going on. You you sniped me from my window, okay? Blew me across the freaking room. Broke my rib. About You almost destroyed my livelihood. And now you're telling me I have to go on some quest with you? What are you, Gandalf? Huh. Gandalf, yes, no, good fellow, nice. Sucks at poker, though. You suddenly hear knocking at the door. Brush, you score, he's far to score. What is going on here? Gosh, um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look at the, the blue man and, like, look for answers at him now. Shall we kill him? No! <laughs> I recommend the fighter. Uh, no, 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 he's, no, he's, he's great. No, no killing, There, no killing, especially him. Why? Because, listen, his dad built this place with his bare hands, okay? Ah, oh, he's a druid with bare hands, I see. Joe. A formidable foe indeed. But I hear you loud and clear. You seek the power of the nature gods. What? Very well. Hold on to your hats. Uh, no. He rips out some paper, and I need you to roll, roll a change of fate. Oh, gosh. And if you want to resist it, then you can Im- imbue it with any of your weaknesses if you would like. I rolled a seven. Okay. I, I, I don't know what this is going to do, so I'm just going to kind of leave it as it is, just with the seven. The druid manifests in front of you as a page is torn from the book before the giant blue genie. What does the druid look like? Okay, so the druid is, like, wearing this, like, nice, like, brown vest, kind of. It is in this, like, greenish foresty aura around it. Like, almost, like, as it, like, it changes between like of like a grassy field to like bark on a tree in a way and you see small little antlers coming out of its head 
and also like uh, pines and pine cones as its hair and kind of in like parachute pants. The druid sees you, and as it does so, it begins to merge with your body. You feel your face and your meat kind of pulling together. Your bones sort of start breaking, but not in a painful way, as you suddenly twist, contort, and shape, and eventually find yourself in the middle of the uh, in the middle of your room as the uh, large body of Mr. Yelvik bursts through the door after opening it with his own key. Shortly followed by uh, Leia, who walks in as well. Where is he, huh? You say he injured. All I see is giant mess. Uh, he's here. He, he was here a second ago. Uh, Trevor? Trevor? She sees. She seems to look around, but doesn't seem to see you. However, Mr. Yelvik does. As he looks down from his towering position. Ah! Stupid, filthy, flying rats! What? As you have been transformed into a pigeon. That's not a rat, but okay. That's a flying rat. <laughs> the same thing. He immediately tries to swatch you with this big giant hand. As <laughs> Mr. Um, Yelvik looks down at me, you're just going to like see it just the, the head kind of turn of the pigeon and go. <laughs> not no. I don't even think I know what I transformed into. I just know I got smaller. <laughs> and so I'm just going to try to run between his legs. All right, let's go with face the danger roll as you run between Mr. Yelvik's legs. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. I, I don't think I got anything that can help me out besides determination. <laughs> but that only puts me at a six. Uh, you do still have the invoked player class ability. So that still would count for this. I do have invoked player class, but that only puts me at a six, though. Unless we're adding determination. We can add determination. Okay. I'm pretty, then, pretty uh, sure you're determined to get out of there. Yeah, so if we add determination and invoke player class, I would be at a seven. You duck between his legs as he tries to reach out and grab you. Mr. Yelvik kind of like topples down and sort of looks around to try and find you. You can see that there's the open door, the open window. Uh, but as you're running, you notice that your legs are not only smaller, but as you try to reach forward, like when you're normally trying to run, you notice that you have large feathery wings that are attached to, to your limbs. <laughs> yes, no, you can tell me that twice. As, as you see the giant figure still in the room, sort of sitting on top of a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, no, no, they can't see me, but that's okay. I mean, I'd get out of here, though, if I were you, if you're not going to kill him, and, you know, and if you don't want him to kill you. You watch as he seems to have picked up what looks to be like a, um, like a large bat. Who? who? Mr. Yelvik. Oh, okay. Trevor just gonna, like, turn his head 180 degrees, just and just like flap his wings and fly and try to like do his best to figure out what the heck is going on and try to fly out the window. All right, go with a change the game. Seven. Seven. You fly out the window. There is a moment where uh, Leia it sort of shrieks and covers her head as she like, you know, is trying to avoid you flying into her. Uh, but you fly out the window and out into the city air. All of a sudden, things clear. It is the quietest you've ever found yourself. The wind rushing over your face, spilling off of your, your arms as you continue to glide through this city. You see it all from above where you are. Flying next to you, upside down and kind of backwards like he's sort of having a bit of a nap, is this blue D20 man. See? There you are. Now you've got the hang of it. On to business, eh? 
now just talking to him like i probably telepathically oh yes he absolutely telepathically hears you yeah i uh i don't think i have a choice at this point do i oh well i mean we all have a choice i mean if you want to i mean obviously you've been selected as the next champion of the guardians and uh and the book is now in your your possession so that's the whole thing you can pass on that torch if you would like but sorry. uh sorry book? i don't think you like how hold that on, happens hold on whoa okay it would sh- 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 book what book the player's handbook boy <laughs> he, he said <laughs> He said the thing! <laughs> Roll credits! He do, said the do, thing, do, yes! Do, do. Yes, that is right. I, I am the uh, the player's handbook, bestowed upon only a select few who represent the champions of the realms that can be used in times of great strife in order to fight against evil. Player's handbook? Yes. Like, like the Dungeons and Dragons player's handbook? Folks call me PB. PB! Yes, H is my middle name. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, my middle name is... Oh, I know you, oh. Trevor Harris Anderson. Yes, you have been known by many. Uh, the person who sent me here knew, knew of your uh, charity streaming. I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds very noble. He's gonna kind of cock his head as he flies, very pigeon-like. Yes, yes, it is uh, very, very noble. Yes, yeah, it's... Thank you. And now that nobility is called upon to face the forces of darkness. Oh. Okay. I, perhaps I'm not explaining myself. Allow me to uh, break it all down. Okay. But first, I think we should land. Oh. Uh. No, no, just there are geese coming. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> As you see this flock of geese heading in your direction. Uh, could you make a face the danger check? <laughs> these geese are like, how many times are we going to run into these freaking pigeons? First it was humans, now it's a pigeon. Nine! Nine. (laughs) There are too many people flying today. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you see? We are trying to go in our V pattern. Screw it. We're going to Gotham and then just fly (laughs) off. As you you manage to uh, descend downwards, you find yourself on the rooftop. As soon as you land, you feel your body almost backflip and unfold like a Transformer toy from the 90s. (laughs) As you now regain your, your natural body shape. And you see the druid's aura leave your body. (laughs) He's just gonna, like, Trevor's gonna hold his stomach, like, wanting to throw up, but, like, can't. And it's one of those where he's, like, stuck with his mouth open and, like, the tongue in that cylinder shape, like, (laughs) Yes, there you go. Please please tell me that's not gonna happen every time. Oh, yes, every single time. Damn. (laughs) No matter what it is, either. I mean, the smallest mouth, the greatest whale, all shape-shifting is quite horrible and painful in some cases okay yes don't ask me about female hyena anatomy that's something that you're going to have to struggle okay, with all right, yourself. all right you know what i think this is a good time to just tell me what the hell you want me to do okay right well as i mentioned i am the player handbook tome of champions creator of heroes but i'm not the only one of my kind you see there is another the monster manual filled with all the evils and dark places within this world a catastrophe had befallen me and my brethren The champion, the one who guards me, is to keep the monster manual in check so that evil does not take sway over this world. But alas, someone has taken the monster manual unto themselves and wielded their power to bestow and unlock great and terrible dangers upon this world. A fight ensued in which the champion was slain. Oh. But before he was, he bestowed my powers to those who would be worthy Well, mine and a few others as well. You see, it is not just the Dungeon Master's Guide that bestows powers to things, but also all manner of 
stories, folklore, legends, heroes, and they are all around this city. The battle was truly glorious. The champion died well. Uh, yeah, okay. Yes, well, that brings me to why, why, why I suppose you're now the new champion, which means it is your sworn duty to find the monster manual, ensure all the monsters are restored into its hallowed pages, and to do so, you will require all of the strength and gumption you can muster. Trevor's just going to pass out. <laughs> yep, there he goes. <laughs> Trevor! Wakey, wakey! Eggs and bakey! He's gonna, he's gonna like wake back up, like, oh, like I, I had the weirdest, weirdest dream that happened. I, oh, hello, <laughs> you, uh, you, you took a bit of a tumble there. Do you need to get the cleric out again? No, no, no. Let's, let's stay away from those guys for a second. Where, where are these? other ones who where oh i have no idea i'm just i'm just the uh the vessel in which you can command your strength and uh, a guide to encourage you to truly reach your full potential okay so i got these powers yep from the player's handbook mm, that's me so i i could just call upon any class i mean how how familiar are you with the dungeons and dragons well i okay you know what i okay i i think i got this i got this okay if you don't know where they are Maybe I need to invoke your power and figure that and have myself figure that out. And so I heard that the ranger is one of the best classes that you can have in Dungeons Dragons. I heard it's a really good tracker and could survive. Have you? Uh, uh, sorry, just real quick before you uh, unlock my powers, you have read the Dungeon uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, player handbook. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I I skimmed it. I uh, okay. heard it from a friend. So um. Uh, yeah, um, ranger, uh, give me the powers of a ranger. If you're sure, um, <laughs> simply close your eyes and- Are you, are you sure this isn't where you, like, cross your arms and nod your head and you cast- No, no, there, there, uh, no, there is a way to invoke the ranger, it's just, it's just, you know, you just close your eyes, it's, it's fine. He's gonna close, Trevor's gonna close his eyes. He turns around and he punches you in the dick. And immediately, as you keel over, you feel the power of the ranger <laughs> flowing through you. That sounds about right. That's and accurate. playing a ranger is like being punched in the dick. <laughs> oh! Oh! Like, cinematic shot, dead of night, top of, like, some street. You just hear just an echo. Oh! Oh! <laughs> A flock of geese just scurry away from the noise. <laughs> hey there, Ad Barian here, and I'm excited to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor, One Shot Questers Patreon. Our content is made possible thanks to the incredible patriots who support us there. By becoming a patron, you'll get access to awesome perks such as early content releases and exclusive behind-the-scenes footage that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, if you're hearing this ad, it means that most, if not all, of our episodes are available to listen on our Patreon page. So why wait? Take the plunge and pledge to our $3 tier or higher, granting you immediate access to all of our fantastic episodes. Simply visit patreon.com slash one shot questers and you can also find a link in our description for easy access pledging is one of the best ways to show your support so if you believe we deserve it go ahead and pledge today we sincerely appreciate your support now without further ado let's get back to the show
we find ourselves back on the uh, the streets where um, in which Alice, you have started to take the bus back home, feeling a sense of uh, achievement. What are you feeling about how the audition went? She's impressed and she's also beating herself up. I went in there and I commanded the room and and oh, but my knees, my stupid, stupid knees. He said, oh God, oh, they're going to tell Madame Marie. Oh, but they said they liked me. I could have done so much better. They could have offered me the job on the spot. No, no, you have another audition next week. That's, that's the important thing. You have another, <clears throat> she's just kind of like, it's this back and forth of like, yeah, you did so good. And like, oh my God, you should have done better. You, you didn't do good enough. Um, but also mixed with this like childish, like, wonder, like what happened? I can, I can fly. Flying is not all you can do. I mean, after all, you did exactly what you needed to. You took what you wanted from them and gave nothing back. Oh, it was amazing. It was wonderful. Did you see yourself? You were incredible. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, did you see the look on that woman's face when she came in? She was like, oh, I'm looking for my bag. But you were incredible. And she was like, oh, I'm going to give you the job because you're amazing and you're incredible and you're wonderful. And that is just, oh. And you look outside where the noise is coming from and you see flying next to the bus is a giant man bug <laughs> um, with what looks to be very, very large hands with like sort of fairy wings dressed in like wooden and leather uh, armor with what looks to be almost like a pirate do-rag and a coconut god uh, on a cutlass by their side as they are flying uh, by you. They look at you with a smile that stretches way too far over their face. Ooh. And uh, they, as they grin at you, uh, you see that even though it's kind of creepy and manic, it's warm. It's very happy. She's like soaked everything that this uh, man bug child thing. She's going to kind of like look around her kind of very inconspicuously. Like, can anybody else? Is anybody else noticing this? Am I going crazy what's happening and she's gonna look out the window and i'm i'm sorry some people start to look out the window and they don't see anything they just kind of like look and they shrug they um some people move away from you on the bus a little bit she's gonna like kind of like that noticing what's happening around her and that people have moved away just kind of give them that like sympathetic oh sorry on the phone kind of thing like pointing to like headphones that aren't there and is just gonna kind of look out the window and think to herself do I know you? As you think to, as you think that uh, it speaks as if it had heard you loud and clear. Know me? Know me? Everyone knows me. If you had a childhood, you know me. I am the voice inside your head that tells you all of the things that are good and tasty and yummy and the things that you should absolutely do to bring you happiness. And as he sort of uh, flicks around, he says, um, but you, you're more than that. You're not just someone who knows my name. You're my friend. You're my Wendy. Uh, puts his its hand on the window uh, on the window next to you. At that moment, you realize it bears a striking resemblance to a fairy tale that you had been read uh, read many times as a child, a story of a boy who never grew up, who came from a place called Neverland. Shazam! Yes, <laughs> it is Shazam. <laughs> you got me. Oh, she lose her powers again. <laughs> a huge smile cracks across her face. And she places her hand on the other side of the window. And in her head, she goes, Peter, 
She, you watch as the the face kind of smiles again, uh, and laughs as it flies ahead of the bus, and you watch as just out of sheer excitement, this stream of fairy dust flies from his back as he begins to just draw patterns. Uh, you then watch as a part of him splits off, and you see a dark shadow sprinkling almost these like little kind of motes of dark energy as they then begin to dance together. And you watch as the bus almost goes through it like starlight that makes its way around the bus as you are uh, traveling through it. Everyone else is looking at you like you are mental. <laughs> as, <laughs> as they're just on the bus watching you just gaze in wonder at this thing that you are experiencing. Alice does not care that people are looking at her right now. She is just in absolute awe of what is happening. And her like inner child is just like blossoming. Peter, I, I don't I don't understand. I, I, you were you're a story. Are you not? How are you here? What is this? You, you hear this. You hear the voice coming back in your head. And it simply says, don't think about things. Just be happy. Adults think about stuff. They take so much time thinking about stuff and explaining things and doing things. We're not like that. We're on for adventure. Come with me. I have something to show you. Alice just immediately doesn't even think and just stands up on the bus. You uh, grab onto the little uh, string and pull it. The bus dings and then comes to a halt as you get off and make your way onto the city streets. Where we now find uh, Liam as you like on cloud nine just walk out of the subway out onto the city out into the city streets just this sense of elation that so finally you've caught in a break you had a second chance you saw it firsthand you actually got to take that moment and seize it for yourself liam as soon as he gets far enough away from the stairs and from this whole situation he is gonna to find um a wall to kind of lean on uh he's gonna he's just gonna lean his back on there and just take a few deep breaths, get his heart rate to, to normalize again because he just avoided doing all the crap that scared the crap out of him. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I wonder... All right. I wonder what else... Can I see the future? Was that the future? Can I see the future? Or was that the past? Can I... And he's, he's going to close his eyes and try to maybe get another vision of the future like he thought is what happened before. As you close your eyes, you focus and concentrate. You try again to see the future and reconnect to that sensation you had when everything was thrown into reverse. You open your eyes and you see nothing. You sigh and for a moment lean back and realize it's not a wall that you're leaning against. Um, Liam is gonna jump forward and turn around and, and get into an involuntary karate pose. Like, one of those anime guys that do just, ah! <laughs> And he's gonna look at whatever this thing was that he was leaning against. Once again, you see the tall, pallid woman with blonde braids, with the hood over their head, uh, stitches on their arms and uh, strings tied between their long, needle-like fingers. As she looks at you... You can hear those metal nails kind of rubbing against each other as they continue to weave and move the patterns within the strings themselves. He's going to look around to see who's all around him, to see if there's anyone around him. Uh, there is a city street right adjacent to the alley that you kind of ducked into, and there are lots of people moving through there. There's like tons. This woman is about six foot six. If he starts talking to this 
figure. I'm I'm assuming as I'm looking as Liam is looking around, it is anyone noticing this tall woman? Not at all. Are you are you why I went back in time? Is was that was that you? You hear the sounds of creaking, the stitches that wrap around her neck creak as she nods. Oh, you're 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 a joy, aren't you? Um first of all, thank you, I guess, but second of all, I I while that was great, I also hated a lot of what happened there. Um and I appreciate what you did. So I'm just going to go on my way, you know, and uh and y- you can uh, you can do whatever you want to do, but I'm just going to I got an appointment. I got to keep you're distressing. So um I would say it's been great, but that would be a lie. So uh it's been a thing. <laughs> and he's going to turn around and Keep an eye on her as he tries to walk away. She immediately just follows you. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> Liam is gonna. His pace is gonna gonna get faster. As you do so, the creature moves and meets your pace. She never seems to leave the exact distance that she has from you. Even when you slow down, she slows down. When you speed up, she speeds up. After after a moment of walking running at this point through the streets trying to you know lose her um and seeing that that's not happening at all finally he's gonna duck into an alley gonna turn around like turn on his heels look at her and go what is your problem huh why you keep following me can't you tell i don't want this as you yell and shout this guy that's standing behind you is like well buddy listen i just i just need to get a newspaper (laughs) cool Course, course. I'm gonna move around so that he can get whatever he's trying to do. He uh, puts a coin into the little newspaper vendor, opens it up, takes the newspaper out and closes it, and he goes, fucking weirdo, as he <laughs> takes it and walks off. You're in the streets now looking at this woman. You actually notice at this point that some of the people who are passing by on this busy street seem to be walking straight through her. So you so you're so you're a ghost. Great. This is this is what I get, I guess, for trying to come up at, you know. She shakes her head as it creaks when you call her a ghost. Oh, I I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be um creature racist. What what are you then? She holds out her hands with the with the the twine in it. Now, the cat cradle itself looks like a window, and she's holding it as if she's gesturing for you to look through. Liam's going to look around and slowly walk to the window that she's inviting him to look into. He's going to peer in cautiously. Your eyes flash, and suddenly you are thrown into a different location. Your body is now spectral and spiritual, uh, very much an astral sense of yourself, as you find yourself in a grand library. There you can see two figures battling head-to-head, destroying everything around them, each of which carrying a different book. One wreathed in blue, one wreathed in red. Energies flying at each other. You watch as a page flicks open, and you watch as a horse with a massive horn on its head charges towards the uh, the man in blue who immediately slams his hand downwards and you can see a series of black tendrils suddenly rise from the ground as the uh, the horned uh, creature ma- uh, you know manages to get ensnared in it this battle in the library happens as uh, books begin to fall off shelves every time a book 
falls off a shelf. You watch as these motes of light begin to fly into the air and gather in what looks to be a massive crystal hanging in the sky. More of this battle ensues. You can't see the details of what these two individuals look like, but the fight becomes more furious. You watch as uh, this person yells, and uh, you could swear he says something along the lines of, I would like to rage! as he uh, pulls out what looks to be an axe and just starts slamming it into uh, what looks to be a giant creature made of stone. As these uh, happen, you notice that one book in particular falls off and it is written in Norse, a huge series of uh, runes that appear over it and, and like kind of like this intertwining yellow string uh, rip out from it. The portrait within depicts three women who together seem to spin winds uh, and and uh, spins and weaves these golden uh, threads together. Uh, you see uh, stories of a hero who had went to speak, who had gone to speak to them, and uh, eventually their betrayal at their own kind, leaving only one blind, deafened, and mute. And that energy. <sighs> flies upwards, and as it hits the crystal, the vision fades just as these two uh, people collide as a dragon, bright red, with, uh, with huge, vicious-looking scales, erupts from the red book, and you watch as from the blue book, uh, you see this huge, uh, like, sort of array of purple wizarding robes sort of dawn upon the uh, this champion with uh, the blue tome, and then it all fades. You pull your head back, and you are now back in the alleyway. Well, uh, f first of all, I gotta say, um, that library, whatever it is, must have some crazy insurance policies. Uh, <laughs> right, not much for laughter. Um, so, so if I got this correct, you're from some Norse fairy tale, and, um, and I'm the person that you chose to... Do stuff for them? I, I, do, I, do I have... Do you have powers? Do I have powers? What... I mean... She opens up the, the thread again, this time changing its dynamic, and you see that there is a thread. It is four threads that are separated and immediately begin to come together and twine interly. Uh, as they do so, you can see that they become a singular thread as well. And in the thread, you see four faces. You see... A fairy-looking pirate kind of character, like the the nor the the kind of the fate character uh, in one of the threads. You see a goose of all things, and lastly a blue genie with a d20 for a head. Right. I. Are you suggesting I gotta find these people? She nods. Okay. Um, what happens? Dare I say, if I refuse? You watch as she reaches for you with these clawed, needle-like fingers, <laughs> and she grabs your shoulder and moves you towards her. In that moment, you hear a smashing sound coming from above as a potted plant falls from the 14th floor of this apartment building and lands directly where you were standing. Okay. Um, heard you loud and clear. You're, you're a great visual teacher. Um, <laughs> so I have no choice it's uh find find all four of us i guess three of us i'm one of the four i'm assuming or die is uh is is what i'm interpreting from your lovely demonstration she doesn't respond but she does raise a single hand and point it 
in the direction of the city street. Meanwhile, driving the car as best they can towards the hospital, uh, you are talking to Elena, trying to keep her calm as you are making your way downwards. You hear her cry out in pain again, but you, your, your mind is just constantly on, um, on Elena, Evan, uh, as you are trying to get her treatment for her broken arm. Out of nowhere in front of you, a woman seems to walk into traffic, looking as if she's in a daze as you are about to collide with her. Evan sees the woman and he pulls on the emergency brake as fast as he possibly can. Alice hears the sound of screeching, which snaps you from this, uh, these, like, sm these lights that have distracted you. All right, we are going to take a risk because this is a risky ass maneuver. Oh. You need to get a 10 or higher for there to be oh. no consequences for this. Oh, Let's no. hold hands, everyone. You're killing me, Dag. You're killing me. Uh, well, well, I'll kill one of you. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the meantime, however, as the hand is pointed upwards uh, from the fate character, um, Liam, you can see the woman in a daze and the car screeching suddenly as it veers and you see what's about to happen. The car is turning too sharply. And this is Michael's prediction as well, because I don't think he's going to make a 10. The car is going to veer too sharply, and it is going to roll. As it rolls, both passengers inside will die, and it will clean up the woman that is there. The driver is inexperienced, and unless they have a way to stop them from overturning, it will be a catastrophe. Uh, Liam is gonna gonna kind of reach out his his own hand and go get get out of the way, and he's gonna almost try to will something to happen to change fate. All right. So as we're getting the driving uh, change of fate, can I also get you to change the game as well with a two d six? Oh my gosh. So Evan taking a risk, changing the game for Liam. Second episode, TPK, TPK, TPK. <laughs> Prove him wrong, Matt. I got a five. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I would like to use calm emotions. Uh, no, calming emotions will not help you in this situation. So this is specifically about your, your Tokyo Drift maneuver. <laughs> I'm about to die. The car tilts to its side as you turn suddenly. Alice, again, you see this uh, this car veer suddenly. It is still moving quite quickly. What did our change the game roll get? Uh, change the game, the roll itself got seven. Okay. Some of the tags that I would like to add, try to add to it with uh, change fate. Yep. Chronomancy. Yep. Insight? I don't know. Um, mm, that's okay. We're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Oh. oh, crap. As you reach out to call out, Trevor. Yeah. All of a sudden, you see what looks to be a thin golden rope just manifest in the air in front of you. <gasps> now, if I were you, I definitely wouldn't touch that. Yes, no, that's uh, that's definitely magic. Oh, yeah, but you're not the weirdest thing. Like, I'm still, like, doubled over, like, on my knees on top of the roof. Yeah. <laughs> just, just full on, oh. I, I, I want to say, like, he's so dazed that he just kind of, he went like this, like, no, I don't want to touch it, but, like, touches it. As soon as you reach out and touch it, your body immediately is transported into the rope and travels along its length. <laughs> you watch as, you watch as the, the large blue man goes, <sighs> Fucking rangers. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, in my head, Cannon, the way that sounds, 
You know those uh those old pipe things that have like the <laughs> That's exactly Oh no. <laughs> you, you watch as you appear and you are inside of a car that is about to do a barrel roll. <laughs> You can see that there are two people in the car. Ah. The first is what looks to be a, uh, a young man, very oh handsome gosh. man, driving the car, oh uh, who has pulled the car off to one side. The second is an injured woman with a broken arm. What do you got, Ranger Boy? Shoot, man. Uh, so we're about to flip in the car, but I'm just in the car. Evan, can Evan, does Evan notice him? Uh, yeah, now this guy just literally <laughs> just appeared yeah. out of nowhere. He's <laughs> dead. He's there. You just heard a... <laughs> I, I looked at Atlanta's like, did you just hear one of those old, like, pipe things? <laughs> I want some type of effect coming from this. I imagine so. <laughs> There's so many emotions going on. There's so much happening within my chest. I want to conjure up the sorcerer. I want to invoke the player class, become a sorcerer. Fireball. And <laughs> fireball. Um, <laughs> I want to use a ninth level spell and use time stop to just stop everything. That's my shtick. Yeah, but your shtick didn't work. You're right. Yeah, well, I brought you here. Well, yeah. So but... anyway, first of all, what does the sorcerer manifesting look like for you? The sorcerer manifesting, you see this just like gulf of like draconic fire that just starts from his feet and moves up. And as it happens, he just adorns this like ruby red robe around him. And just just the power of like some draconic source that comes around. You just feel this aura and like as you look at the robe, like the textures move. All right, now we have gotten a special rule for uh, for our spell casting where we are gonna roll a d20 to determine how powerful and how successful you happen to be oh on any of these D&D-based spells. So, 11. With an 11 attempting time stop, you do not manage to time stop, ah! but you do manage to slow. Okay. The car is still going to fly forward. Uh, Alice, you have naturally kind of like just gone to block yourself as you've just seen this car coming at you, but now you see it's slowing down. Okay. You watch and you can see in front of you you're not the only person in danger. Behind you, on the other side of where this car is now going, is what looks to be a small child. <laughs> Alice will see this small child and almost have like a, a little bit of like a, a moment, like a flashbacky moment, and is going to fly and grab this child out of the way but it's not going to be graceful it's not going to be like oh i sweep you into the air it's going to be like i'm covering this child with my own body all right let's make a change the game Gosh. check as you attempt to fly towards and uh and get this child to safety me and matt are in the car just like what the <laughs> okay i, I want to apologize firstly I blame my parents. <laughs> this whole situation. I got an eight. I don't know if this is going to do anything to help. Thick skinned? Uh, no, probably not. You you can just use flight. That is a yeah yeah you, yeah. You're using just your flight. flight to do this. So yeah yep. yeah. All right. So with that, you fly over and you manage to roll and grab onto this child, pulling them away and to safety as the car is heading towards it. Now, inside the vehicle, as you can see, there are two people here. The car is now slowed, but you know it's it's out of control. What do you do as you see this happen? Evan looks back at Trevor 
and doesn't say anything, but gives a, but has this look of like, I don't know who you are, but we need to get out of this car right now. I agree. Thankfully, <laughs> you're going so slow that it's all like slow motion. We need to get out of this car. Yes. Yes. Dumbass. <laughs> Freaking hurry up. Elena, take my hand. I was going to say, yeah, she'll, she'll reach out towards you. Evan takes Elena's hand and parkours with her out the window, almost like a Spider-Man-esque maneuver. Ooh. Nice. So you lean backwards against the seat and use both feet, kicking out the window to shatter it first. The glass shards like sort of float slowly in the air from the slow spell as you then use your back to kip up from the now sideways-oriented car and jump outwards, you know, sort of using your back to kind of do a back roll so that uh, Elena is protected from the shards of glass, and then you land. Can I get a change the game roll from you, please? I got a seven. I'm going to use can take a hit. Uh, yeah, sure, I'm happy for that. So uh, you take you take no, no damage from the glass, and you will land successfully on the street with Elena in your hands, also unharmed by your maneuver. Frick yeah. As this happens, Trevor, the, the car is still moving, but it is now the, it is, the, there is no one now in danger thanks to the sorcerer's spell. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to invoke another player class and I'm going to uh, transform into the monk. I'm going to need you to make face the danger as a check. So that's a five. Because you didn't dispel your sorcerer before the monk came in. Oh, shoot. There is now a conflict. So you have a problem with your identity as these two identities crash into you simultaneously. Rick. So, if you wish to use other tags to help you here, that's the nature of what they need to be toward. Oh no. Oh no. Um I got determination. Mm, that will not help you here. Keep track of thing? Sure, I'll give that one. Okay. Um I I don't think I got anything. Yeah. All right, so that brings you to a 7 though, right? No, that brings me to a 6. Or unless we're doing invoke player class. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we do. We'll okay, do and that's a seven, class. yes. Yeah, seven. All right. So with a seven, as you come in, the sorcerer is struck in the face by a fist <laughs> uh, as the manifesting monk comes in just whack and then takes a moment to just start beating up the, the sorcerer for no reason as you <laughs> now for a moment have absolutely no powers. Uh, excuse <laughs> Yep. The car is about to crash. As it does so, I need you to roll me a d20. 17. As the car crashes, it crumples and smashes into pieces. It rolls onto several parked cars. It catches fire. And you watch as then there is this explosion as the petrol canisters light ablaze. The three of you on the street look out and you do not see Trevor. Trevor then opens the door. Uh, how do you manifest your monk? What does he look like? Uh, my monk would be just like a red headband around his forehead and uh, shirtless, and he would have, like, orangey sweatpants, bandaged feet. As you see the car burning, again, you are watching this, this metal turn into slag directly in front of you. Appearing next to you on the street is the large blue genie, which all of you can see. As you step out, in shock and disbelief, he says, Yes, see, rangers suck. Monks have evasion. As for whatever fucked up reason, you have taken no damage. <laughs> because you made your reflex save. 
<laughs> he was just inside the car, like <laughs> all of the explosions, <laughs> the shrapnel. <laughs> at the, uh, oh at the crossroads of this, at the crossroads of this, uh, this street, you now see each other for the first time. You're all in the streets themselves, staring at each other, but it is not each other that you are looking at, but the figure standing behind each of you. One, a large and imposing blue man with a D20 for a head. The second, a large, almost like pirate-like fairy with huge insect wings and a large, puckish grin. The third, a woman dressed in an oracle's robe with Nordic blonde braids running down their face. And a tiny duck being cradled in an arm that has what appears to be uh, a kind of almost like a glowing, misty plumage running along the top of their head. As the four of you stop and acknowledge each other, you realize that there is something that connects you, each and every one of you. But we will find out about that and more for this adventure in the next episode. But before we tune out, our scene pans away from this uh, this um, beautiful scene of uh, you know meetings of the minds to a small chamber down below the city streets in a sewer where a young boy with glasses appears to be walking in almost waist-deep refuse. As he does so, he eventually comes around the corner and sees a opening uh, which he climbs up and, uh, and out onto a very clear platform. The boy with black hair, he sort of sweeps to the side, pulls out what looks to be kind of a stick one would find as he says, I know you're here. I know that you're here somewhere. I'm not afraid of you. You hear a hissing sound and footsteps as a huge serpentine figure rolls out and looks upwards, gazing upon this small child. Yes, you will not defeat me. Avalok! And you watch as he immediately freezes. His body turns to solid stone and the creature with its reptilian body sniffs at its new piece of artwork before slithering back into the darkness beneath the city streets. Oh. <laughs> we killed all the friggin' Harry Potter! Monsters in the Mist has Michael as our MC, Tori as Alice Carroll, Andrew as Liam Beck, Matt as Evan Drake, and myself as Trevor Anderson. We want to give a heartfelt thank you to all of our patrons, especially Christian, Corrine, and Daedron. If you wish to further support Monsters in the Mist and unlock exclusive content, consider joining our Patreon community. Information will be in the show notes of the episode. Until we meet again, questers, fare thee well, and we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>